Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nature Inspired Podcast, a podcast aimed to educate, engage, and change the fashion industry from the inside out. If you don't know what Nature Inspired is, it's an online platform and sustainable branding service that focuses on human rights, fashion sustainability, and environmental justice. We go into detail on the production processes, factory standards, and what certifications to look for both as a brand and as a consumer. I'm your host, Chris Herrera, and with that, let's jump right in. Today's podcast is about brand responsibility and impact in the fashion industry. We're going to talk about how brands impact the supply chain, consumer influence, and what we need to see happen on a policy global level, what brands can do to change the problem, and what consumers can do. So the supply chain, as described in the name, operates as a chain reaction to the design, brand positioning, advertising, corporate agendas, and much more. The supply chain must change, but as we've seen with recent events, the pandemic as an example, the supply chain shifts to supply the demand of the design, the brand, or governmental agenda. I want to expand a little bit more on the pandemic and how that's impacted um, the fashion supply chain. I feel like we might have heard the impacts of of COVID-19 in so many different industries, so I am not going to get into too much detail because I feel like it's kind of like background noise at this point. It's just getting overwhelming. Um, But I do want to mention how you know, how quickly we saw a shift in early 2020 when the uh, pandemic first hit and government started to uh, require everyone to wear a mask. First, it was those disposable medical masks. And then we started using fabric masks. That's when the supply chain in the fashion industry really shifted from one second to the next. We went from just making fashion apparel to implementing um masks in our lines and making sure that they adhere to certain certification standards. And, you know, it was an absolute gong show, to be honest, like what it happened. But what it does show is, like I mentioned at the beginning, the supply chain is a chain reaction to everything else. So if we can tap into the brand and how they interact with their consumers, how they interact with their government, how they interact with their supply chain, then we can change the fashion industry. The core um, component here is the brand. Here's the thing, if suppliers want to invest in innovative technologies for their materials, they need brands to buy into that. Brands need to support their suppliers to invest in innovative materials and and sustainability practices because if the brand is only only focusing on increasing profit margins at the lowest cost of production possible, that's really unsustainable both financially and um, in terms of environmentally and socially as well. One thing that um, is brought up a lot in this particular conversation is the cost, the cost of, um, you know, investing in more sustainable materials. And then brands may say, oh, but that's, a, um, you know, it's not financially viable for us. We're not actually making any money. 
Um, and that's something I'll get into a little bit further down in the podcast. And also I'll be making a podcast specifically on how sustainable practices is more profitable than what we're doing right now. Another point I want to talk about that brands have a big responsibility and how they impact the fashion industry is consumer influence, the power of interpretation and trust building with their consumers. So brands have an extremely powerful voice from the stories they tell to the products they sell to the initiatives they support. Brand positioning and strategic consumer targeting can seriously affect the way consumers buy, interact, and share their products. We talk about, you know, over-consumerism a lot um, in this industry, and we say how, you know, Customers are demanding more and more and more from fashion, but they're also demanding better, which leads to greenwashing and brands, you know, faking certain things to gain consumer buy-in. And all that is very, very true. And the culture of a see now, have now, buy now, toss now mentality is rampant right now in our in our everyday culture. And it is a really big problem. But we need to really think about where did it stem from? You know, I don't really feel like we just, you know, woke up one day and we're like, you know what, we're just going to consume in magnitudes that we've never seen before just because we want to. Um, these are behaviors that are taught. These are behaviors that are embedded into us. And although it's a current problem, I feel like we need to dissect it a little bit and really dive in to the core of the problem. And the more research I do on this and the more I try to understand overconsumption and overconsumerism and all that stuff, it really goes back to the brand. It comes back to consumer influence, you know, marketing, branding, power of interpretation, brand messaging, all this kind of stuff and how brands impact their consumers' purchasing decisions. Um, because we do overconsume, but we need to think about, okay, what made this happen in the first place? And to expand on this a little bit more, I wanna use this example. So Consumer X is scrolling on Instagram and sees an ad about a hair straightener. They see it, shrug it off, and keep scrolling, as we all do. <laughs> a couple days later, they see the ad again, and still keep scrolling. Now, a week has passed and one of the influencers they follow is using this hair straightener on their stories saying how great it is. Consumer X now thinks, oh, that's a straightener I saw in the ad. Oh well, and shrugs it off again. Two days later, two to three more of the influencers that they follow posting about it. One of them made a really well shot sponsored post um, with awesome graphics and a really cool video. And the next day, Consumer X's best friend, who also followed these influencers, bought it. Now, Consumer X feels a little left out and thinks, oh my god, everyone is using this hair straightener. It must be amazing. I have to buy it. And there she goes to their site, checks out, and boom, sale is made. And not only is a sale made, but that brand just established a long-term relationship with that consumer because they saw their product way before they bought it. They know that it's good. And whenever they think about if they need any hair products, that's probably the brand they're going to go to first before going anywhere else. So 
This example isn't fictional. It happens every single day and not only on Instagram. So who do you think is responsible for that sale? Is it Consumer X? Is it Consumer X's best friend? Is it the influencer? No. It's the brand. The brand made those ads. The brand had strategic influencer marketing plans in place, and the brand paid the influencers to make very cool posts about the straightener, and it's now trending, and everyone needs one. Did you know that major brands actually spend more on influencer marketing and marketing campaigns in general, like photo shoots, stuff like that, than they do to pay the people who make their clothes? But the reason why they do that is because brands see the value. They see the value in having that influence on the consumer. They see the value in making quality content that ignites interest, that makes consumers excited about their product because they know that if they invest $500,000, a million dollars on their campaign, that it, that's going to double or triple or quadruple or even more. So the changes that we need to see from a government or policy level is um, guidelines and requirements for businesses to operate sustainably. What I mean by that is brands should be required to disclose information on suppliers, workers' conditions. They shouldn't just be recommended to do so because it's the right thing to do. They should be required to do so. They should also not be allowed to claim to be a certain way unless they can back it up with certifications and business practice demonstrations. For example, if it's a mass-produced fashion line, having organic cotton in their line is not enough. Garments must be produced and sold only as needed, made to order in small batches to avoid waste and dead stock. These should be rules on a policy and global level. And yeah, it, it is a big ask, you know, to change the way that we operate in the fashion industry to have sustainability business operation requirements. But I need to go back to the very first thing I mentioned in this podcast, which was my example about COVID. When COVID hit, this was something that was an immediate threat onto our health. We saw it and as a government level as an immediate threat, something that we needed to address immediately. And within weeks, changes were made. You were required to wear a mask. Those are the types of change that we need to see. And we need our governments and our local officials to see climate change and to see environmental change and to see the importance on every industry operating sustainably as important as the virus. This was obviously an immediate health concern and it obviously should be taken seriously. But what I don't see is how the climate crisis isn't taken as a same concern. We are being wiped out by the climate crisis. And if we don't address these things and make requirements and change our policies and the way that we operate in our countries, then we will not be able to be here for 10, 15, 20 years. You know, our, our environment is collapsing and that is something that needs to be taken just as seriously. It is a health risk. People are dying um, from floods, from fires, 
years from health issues that have been caused by climate crisis and by the fashion industry. Um, we are just as big of contributors to the problem, you know, and we are just as connected. So I feel like it is a big ask, but it is something that can be done um, when it's taken seriously. We can change the industry. We can change the way that we operate if we recognize not only how good it is for our planet, but we also need to recognize the financial benefits of it. I feel like a major key that is being left out here is how more profitable it is to be sustainable than it is not. That recognition and that understanding and not listening to those financial predictions is is where the real problem is here because a lot of people, a lot of organizations, a lot of countries don't want to shift their practices because they don't think that they could be financially profitable if they shift. And that's just untrue. There is uh, proven studies that have shown that it is more profitable to be sustainable than it is not. Um, One particular study conducted by the Harvard Harvard Business Review found that companies that have shifted to sustainable business practices saw a 14% annual increase in sales for over five years. This study was done between 2006 and 2011 to be specific, and I will link the benefits of sustainability on a profit level because I feel like that's where there's a major disconnect is... To be completely honest, this is something that a lot of environmentalists, I feel, don't talk about. We talk about the importance of sustainability on the planet. We talk about how important it is so that people stop dying, so the world can operate and all that stuff. But we don't talk about what the government and what brands and policymakers actually care about. And that's money. The focus on why they do what they do is always to increase profits. You know, no one with power really cares about the people in Bangladesh being pummeled and smashed by the Rana Plaza collapse. No one in true power is making measurable changes because of the environmental changes that are happening in in the world. Um, A main thing that we need to focus on as environmentalists is the financial gain that comes from being sustainable. Um, And Tesla's also a great example. They've built their whole uh, business on renewable energy. And that is um, a key thing that we need to bring into our environmental efforts is also the, the financial benefits of being sustainable. Um, as you can clearly see, I really want to talk about that a little bit more in a different podcast solely dedicated to finance, um, but that's not what this one's about. So going back on track on um, what can be done. So we talked about what we can see from a policy level. So we need to see requirements for claims, for disclosed information, all that stuff. So what do we need to see from a brand level? What do we need to see brands doing? 
So for brands, we need to reimagine the way that we operate and recognize that true sustainability is not only the right thing to do, but it's also profitable as well. And we need to recognize that we can still have long-term customer relationships and really flourishing businesses when we put sustainability first. If anything, we can actually have even more profits from being sustainable than just going with what everyone else is doing. We also need to recognize on a brand level that it's not easy. You know, you can't just like snap a finger and then, oh my God, I'm fully sustainable. No, that's greenwashing. Um, But it is possible. It might not be easy, but it really is possible. And the return on that investment is uh, tenfold. Consumers want it. The, The world needs it, but it's also the right thing to do for the future of the business. And my final point that I want to bring up is what can be done on a consumer level. I'm not going to get into too much detail here um, because it's a whole podcast on its own. But from a consumer level, what we can do is demand brands to be transparent. Brands don't listen to what the supply chain wants, but they do listen to what the consumers want. So think about what you want and communicate that with your brands. Another thing you can do as a consumer is act with your values, not with impulse. It's really important that as consumers, we choose to buy with our values. You know, we need to support brands that care about their supply chain, that care about the people who are making their clothes and brands who are showing measurable ways to get to that level. So just to summarize what we talked about, we talked about how brands responsibility impacts the supply chain as a whole. We talked about, you know, consumer influence, the power of interpretation, trust building. We talked about policies and and global standards that need to be implemented and, you know, government regulations that need to be implemented as a, for brands to be more sustainable. Then we dove into as a brand, what can you do right now to change the way that you're operating. And then as a consumer, what you can do to ask brands to make sure that brands are operating responsibly and ethically and um, being aware of their impact on the industry. So that's all that I have for you guys today. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast and gained something useful. If you have more questions or want more resources, I will try to add as many resources as I can in the show notes here on the podcast. Um, but feel free to email me with any of your questions at chris and If you are a brand and want to improve your sustainability strategy, Nature Inspired helps you build brands that inspire your audience through sustainable business practices and branding that matches your intentions. We also offer sustainability coaching, printed marketing materials, and so much more. You can book a discovery call directly on the website at naturespired.com or email me directly at chris at naturespired to schedule a call. As always, thank you guys for joining in to this podcast. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the newsletter on our website and share this podcast with your network. You can also find us on our new baby Instagram, Naturespired. I'll also link that in the show notes. It's a new account. We're barely getting started, but we'd love if you follow us there. Thanks again, and I will see you in the next one.